Serial Entrepreneur. Hello and welcome to the Serial Entrepreneur Startup Magazine's new podcast series. My name is Anna Flockett, your host, and I trust you're all well and safe. Today we have an amazing and insightful episode for you as I am chatting to Cherie Rano, who has a Master of Science in Cardiac Nursing and also has extensive experience in the research field and therefore founded the startup Rhythmia Breath, a prevention and rehabilitation platform of cardiovascular disease and mental well-being that is actually aimed to synchronise and balance your mind, body and heart. Cherie, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Hello, hi Anna. Thank you so much and thank you for having me in this podcast. It's, it's a pleasure. Um, I'm very well, thanks. You know, regardless of you know what we're going through, but yeah, so I'm I'm fine and well, thanks. Good, thank you, thank you for taking the time. I appreciate being a medtech startup. This may be a very busy time for you. I thought maybe to start with, there's a lot to cover today. We could talk a little bit about yourself and your story and how you kind of came to found with me a breath. Absolutely fantastic, and I'll try to summarize it as much as I can. So I am the founder and CEO of Rhythmia Breath, as you mentioned, which is a medical well-being program and digital therapeutics. I also work as an arrhythmia specialist nurse in the NHS at Imperial College, and and I'm a stress management therapist running a private practice in central London. Regarding Rhythmia Breath, we offered holistic, evidence-based programs to drive personalised techniques in cardiac rehab and secondary prevention. And our main focus is to improve the well-being of patients. Oh, wow. Amazing. And where did the original idea come from? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's an interesting story. <laughs> so in 2013, I I got a job in a cardiology and diabetes research study in, in a renowned hospital in central London, with whom at the moment was one of the pioneer consultant cardiologists in the scene. I was beyond grateful to have the opportunity to present the first draft of my idea to him, which, by the way, was very well accepted. And, and the idea was bringing holistic practices into the mainstream medicine for the prevention and rehabilitation of cardiovascular disease and mental well-being. And a few years later, Anna, uh, this became this slogan became our USP, basically. A bit of a, a background about it. So the the idea of developing a well-being platform was inspired by the many patients who were looking for a solution to a rigid medical system with very little time to, to dwell into anything that was not the numbers on their CT scan, on their calcium score, the figures on their blood pressure on their blood pressure, or the different ranges in, in the blood test. So patients were looking for a more holistic approach to improve their health. And interestingly, Anna, uh, some of them did not realize, for instance, that their lifestyle and well-being could have probably been the root of the hospital appointment. So I found a gap and and a tremendous need for something like this to be developed. This is how I became passionate about teaching preventative lifestyle methods. Uh, that could also be implemented in rehabilitation and secondary uh, prevention. Ah, that's amazing. And obviously being in the whole like medical and um, health tech industry can be really difficult. So how have you found that journey kind of coming through that industry? It, I'm not going to lie, it was 
quite hard for me because my background is in, in medicine and also holistic therapies. So I had to learn so many things along the way and, and I've faced few challenges along the way. I can, at the top of my head, I can perhaps name three or four. The first and foremost, when I initially pitched the idea, although it was very well accepted by the doctors I work with, I did find uh, resistance and challenges to welcome the acceptance of the notion that combining holistic uh, techniques, which were backed up by scientific re uh, research, could work extremely well in certain settings in mainstream medicine, such as cardiology, where I was already. And we're talking about almost 10 years ago, but I knew I was trying to solve a real problem in the healthcare system. And, and I was offering a, a different viewpoint on how to transform the patient pathway to achieve positive, subjective and objective outcomes. And so that's the, that's the first challenge. It's, you know, the, the break in, in, in the market. And obviously, and things have changed drastically. And now a much higher number of cardiologists, I tell my vision, um, they, they either want to collaborate or they agree that, you know, this program has a very positive effect on their patients and they want to refer them to us. That's the most important one. The second one, which is, I'm sure that most founders can also relate to this, is the development of a team. And like most entrepreneurs, it's, it's no strange to have a background of a failed team building experience, right? It was challenging to bring on board the right credentials and the right combination of skills in order to build a healthy team culture. So going a bit more personal, after navigating a rough curve, both personally and in my business, I took some time off to reshape the business and plan its future. I studied the reasons why I failed and learned the necessary skills to support talents amidst qualities. That was key for me. That was a very important point for me. And I also learned what essential skills I was missing as a founder and focused on building a team, starting with experience I was lacking. Now that I'm on a health tech or med tech space, um, obviously point number three probably is learning all tech-related topics. <laughs> and you can imagine that it, this was very challenging for me and it was quite hard. And a, a CEO needs to understand the technology uh, that the company is using and building, right? And I did not have much of the technical knowledge, but a few years of networking and, and learning has taken me a long way. So what did I do back then? You know, it was me, the idea, no, no tech experience and a team that wasn't even, you know, strong enough. So um, I learned and I'm still learning the very basics, right? It's very unlikely that I'm going to be an IT or CTO, but as, as I was lacking of so many, of so many, you know, many skills, um, I learned the very, very basics, right? And now I know that a great CTO can transform the picture, the project, and sometimes the vision as well. So learning a bit of tech was incredibly important for me. And women in tech is one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, so to speak to you is such a pleasure. How have you found being a female in tech? Do you think it's harder being a female than it would be a male in your position? 
I was also recently interviewed by a magazine. It's about women in, in tech and entrepreneur. And to be fully honest with you, Anna, I am aware that we face big challenges, right? Just because women, it, it's a very new and exciting journey, right? But women, we were not used to be exposed in the same way as men, right? However, my personal experience as of today, it can change tomorrow, but as of today, Anna, it's been quite soft and smooth. And I'll tell you this because I've I've had huge amount of help by male founders in the tech industry. I've had a tremendous support from, you know, from both women's but women and also male. So I haven't really faced that, you know, uncomfortable position, uh, you know, of saying I am a female founder and I'm facing this, you know, this difficulties. So I have to be honest and I have to kind of you know, shift the the perception of of that as well because I've I've been extremely lucky, I think. Of course, it's amazing to hear some positive stories, yeah. and you know that there's not all challenges and it's not all negative out there. But I also think that I am in a in a very lucky position now, especially in 2020, because there have been so many women already pushing this movement forward that it, you know they've already opened the doors. So I'm kind of like swimming and navigating through these challenges in a very different way. And my networking as well, it is full of both female and male founders. So I'm not one of these founders that, because I'm a female, only want to be associated or, or related to women because there's yeah. so much to learn from, from both, right? Of course. You can't <laughs> segregate yourself off. The same is to cut your nose off to spite your face. So. And that, going back to the networking, that that is probably um, the last challenge um, I want to share. It's uh, thinking big rather than small. Networking and creating, you know, contact with all the founders as well creates a, a vision into what you can develop, right? So thinking big, and I used to think small. So that was another challenge. Amazing. And of course, moving forward with the whole med tech situation, the current climate we're in is obviously a big time for, for you guys. And I believe that Rhythmia Breath has unquestionably changed the way it works. And you found the COVID-19 situation to be a time to kind of evolve and adapt. Could you tell me a little bit about the work that you guys are doing right now in terms of the COVID-19 situation? Of course, as... And, and this is a, a really important question, as, as everyone that has direct contact with uh, patients and clients, um, I had to adapt to this situation, to all of us at Rhythmia Breath. So, for example, the clinic services are obviously closed, and most patients are receiving their services on sessions, either via telephone conversation or, or video. Due to the nature of COVID, I have counseled dozens of patients who are anxious about their physical and mental health. We're talking about postponing important cardiac procedures, rehabilitation sessions and appointments that are crucial for their reassurance. So I actually spend a lot of a lot more time interacting with patients remotely but on a positive side um, this is helping us to validate our digital model. Another important topic is the social distancing and, and how this has affected uh, our business. Social distancing relies on new ways of 
working as a team as well, right? We, we had the culture of meeting face to face and interact with each other. So more discipline needs to be in place in order to ensure that the time we spend together on video calls are valuable and of maximal benefit. In regards to that last uh, statement, uh, fundamentally, communication is key and the tools available have progressed sufficiently to make remote communication um, effective and still enjoyable. And I really hope that you know big companies such as the NHS consider this long-term restructuring of remote working and, and digital delivery of health services as something serious. You know, I have no doubt that there is a, a huge and interesting future regarding digital health ahead of us. Of course. And talking about the NHS, I believe you guys have worked on an online platform to deliver a, f- a free online course to all NHS clinical staff and healthcare professionals. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Of course, and it's something that I'm, I'm so you know excited about. So when these difficult times around COVID started, I had to focus on what was needed and, and how I could help my colleagues in the NHS as a way of, of giving back. I am, as, as I said at the beginning of the interview, a, a stress management um, consultant or expert. Therefore, I do have the tools and the knowledge, so I wanted to help. And it is important to recognise, Anna, that healthcare professionals are never taught the skills around building emotional resilience to help them manage challenging situations like the ones that we are facing at the moment, right? And COVID is very likely to impose greater daily challenges and stress on the staff. So it is true that at Rhythmia Breath, we've always focus on delivering um, our tools for cardiac patients, right? And, and for those struggling with mental health. But it was now time to focus and evolve and, and expanding our horizons to support the carers. And therefore, I decided to launch an online platform for healthcare professionals and just staff with adaptive techniques to enhance the well-being of healthcare professionals, focusing on building emotional resilience, understanding trauma, and using mindfulness and breath work to recharge from the devastating effects that COVID-19 is leaving behind. So the, the platform started originally with an on-site session, right, with on-site sessions and workshops, offering talks um, in three different NHS hospitals. They all belong to Imperial College. And I delivered the program, which was based on stress management techniques, backed up by scientific research and proven to be effective in trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder, as well as anxiety and stress. Basically everything that, you know, our healthcare professionals are going through. And after that, we we launched the online platform and we've currently had um, so many wonderful uh, feedback from NHS staff and from consultants as well, from, from doctors. We are very, very grateful and, and I'm just so, I'm, I'm really happy that this is helping our, our NHS staff and all healthcare professionals as well. We, we are expanding, in, we are looking for ways in, in which we can expand and one of them is translating the programme in different languages. At the moment, we will be translating it in three languages, Spanish, Chinese and German. And, and we are in conversation with different organizations in different countries for us to even put it in their curriculums. It's, it's all for free, but we just want to reach as many people as we can. Of course. And 
it's fair to say obviously that the last six weeks however long we've we've been in this situation now must have been extremely busy for you Mm. how would you explain the last two months or so since it all kind of started (laughs) quite challenging and I'm not going to I'm not going to lie to you as Yes, it's it's been it's been quite challenging, and maybe I can't because I am a therapist and I do have a little knowledge about how the mind operates. But the, at the very beginning, we we were shocked, like most people. But instantly, straight away, I I had to find the ways to you know to move forwards rather than you know finding the way out. If we have some time, I, I can explain that there's a really interesting um, topic in in psychology which is called self-transforming mind. It's a theory, right? And and it's really really interesting because when we when we evolve or when we face adversity, right, we don't really recognize sometimes that a crisis can become an opportunity, right? So at the beginning of the lockdown, I had no choice uh, but to quickly find ways to be resilient and look for ways, as I said, look ways forwards rather than way out. So going back to this self-transforming mind theory, it is a very similar concept to a Buddhist concept of evolving self, right? A personality that it's in constant flow and ever-changing, right? Um, this happened when we stopped being tied up to a particular identity or role, which is deeply rooted in our conditioning and an effort to protect our beliefs. Basically, in other words, it's recognizing that life circumstances reshape us as much as we try to reshape and create our life. So it's a very interesting concept. And I decided to put it into place straight away both in my personal life and in my business as an arrhythmia specialist in the NHS to help my colleagues and as a founder and CEO to create that culture in my team. So the self-transforming mind theory is something that we um, we do, we preach and we do. Oh wow, showed the powerful woman coming through and <laughs> taking control. And like you just said, you are a, a arrhythmia specialist at uh, Imperial College. So obviously a bit of an expert right now in what's going on. In your opinion, how bad is the situation that we are going through? And how is the situation for you in terms of, you know, being at Imperial College as a arrhythmia specialist? We are all facing very challenging times I know right and I can't you know repeat enough times that staying at home is so is necessary right and we also need to feel blessed because we are at home we can just we feel safe right I'm also very lucky that I'm in a position that I can carry on with my clinics over the phone right and I can counsel patients via you know video or phone, I am not directly in contact with patients with COVID-19, right? But it is suspected that as a specialist nurses with all our knowledge and expertise, right? It is suspected that we go um, and help the NHS. As I said, I'm very lucky that I can still work in, in the office, right? And so I've dedicated my, my time um, in two different ways. One is calling patients, running the clinics over the phone and, and counsel the high risk. And secondly is supporting my colleagues because what people are not seeing is that it's, it's really not only 
intensive care and A&E, right? Our hospitals have transformed themselves completely. So when you walk in there, it's not anymore an outpatient department, it's not anymore a renal uh, department, dermatology department, everything is around COVID and everything and everyone is ready to help with, with this uncertainty. Also, going a bit more into the emotional side of things, it's, it's the, the vibe and, and what you can actually inhale. It's, it's not very nice. It's full of, you know, uh, despair and uncertainty, sadness and, and fear and anxiety, right? So that's why I thought I need to do something with this and, and as much as I can, I, I want to help yeah and you you are doing so much you make me feel guilty that all I do is stay at home no but you are doing enough by staying at home because you by you staying at home you help people like my colleagues right that for example only last week two of my colleagues had to go they are brilliant um specialists and they actually had to go um over there and I'm still very lucky because you know, I, I work with Rhythmia Breath, I can say 90% of my time, but um, I, I only work part-time in the NHS, so I want to help and support as much as I can. But yes, going back, by you staying home, you helping my colleagues to be safe. So thank you for that. No, if it's the least we can do. I wish just more people would do it. <laughs> but after this, hopefully all blows over, which it will do, of of course. We just don't know when yet. What do you guys, with me a breath, have uh, planned for the future? Right. In terms of the scalability, perhaps, of the platform, at the moment we, we are still offering our sessions um online via a video or phone call as I said right and until we can resume all our activities at the clinic right so we, we still need to operate in in that way so going moving forwards now we are exploring partnerships opportunities with and collaboration with NHS trust and uh, clinical commissioning groups and to make the service possible safe and streamline for patients. We are also very, very excited about what the future is bringing. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. But basically, our our mission is to lead the world to healthier hearts and minds. And it's about driving change and using data-driven approaches, right? It's about spreading the word about patients feeling empowered, knowing that they can help themselves so much by implementing the right strategies and coping mechanisms. So one of our main visions is to have an impact on people's life. So a quick example, and I imagine if you could spot gradual, gradual deterioration of your health before it's too late. Alternatively, imagine having a treatment plan that was uniquely tailored to your needs and lifestyle, which truly maximizes, you know, the, the effect of your treatment. And finally, imagine a patient feeling empowered to contribute equally to manage their health. So our next step is to launch the Cardiac Rehab Digital Service in 2021, following our vision and, and purpose. We are also in conversations with very um, clever 
IT consultants to develop our own wearable, but that's something that you know we still cannot <laughs> disclose so much. But yes, uh, and we will increase you know the efficiency, the safety, and the business as such. So yeah, that's in a nutshell our future, and we we do have a plan for five, uh, ten, and uh, fifteen years, and the future is very exciting. We also in conversations with um, two different hospitals to develop a pilot study. Obviously, everything needs to be proved <laughs> by research study. Yeah, so the future is, is bright. So hopefully COVID decided to leave us quite soon. <laughs> of course. And in terms of like your 5, 10 year, 15 year plan, you must have had this in place before the COVID crisis. Mm-hmm. Has the corona situation excelled your plans? Like, ha- do you think it's moved you forward and the healthcare industry in general, has it, you know, pushed us 10 years forward in two months sort of thing? Absolutely. Especially when we talk about the digitalization sorry, of uh, products. And one of the positive sides of this situation with all the respect in the world, right, is that it has moved us forward. And I can say like six, eight months down the line. Because because of this time, we are proving and showing that our method does work in a digital way too. Therefore, we don't need this extra month for us to prove and test and convince that this is the situation. So it has kind of you know pushed us forward, and we can straight away go towards a pilot study or in conversations with um, CCGs and in conversations with developing our wearable. So yes, that's that's one of the unfortunately positive... Silver lining of the whole situation. (laughs) And so to conclude today, uh, Cherie, do you have any advice for any other startup founders out there? It could be to do with the health industry, coronavirus, or just just startup founders in general. What would your message to them be? (laughs) I think it would be pretty much like... You know, the same message that, you know, every entrepreneur will will give. But number one is please use your resources effectively. I make that mistake as well, right? One of the challenges is not realizing the, the amount of opportunities that you have around you. So use your resources effectively. Number two could be just probably tattoo this word on your skin is push. <laughs> Push forward and and validate your idea. Find a good team. Believe that it's possible. You're going to face imposter syndrome, yes or yes, unless you're a superhuman. But you have to push and go forward with your idea, right? Until the day that it collapses for whatever reason. And then probably, and in my opinion, one of the most important ones that both go side by side One is your team. Focus on developing a very strong team and hire people or get people in your in your platform or your project that has that does not have your skills. Basically, whatever you are lacking, that's the person you need. Very strong team can push the project forwards with no limits. And number two is the within the same um, topic is network. And I know how difficult it can be from people, you know, for people to network and tell your idea and, and explain what you do. But if you don't really want to talk that much at the very beginning of the networking, you know, side of things, listen attend all type of you know summits and, and meetings from all the you know with all the entrepreneurs 
but network, build a strong team and use your resources efficiently and push. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was amazing to learn all the work that you're doing and thank you so much for all the work that you are doing. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and I'm excited to see all the plans that you guys have for the future. So we'll keep an eye. Thank you, Anna. Likewise, it's been a pleasure being in this podcast. Serial Entrepreneur.